Hello out there. How is everybody doing? Hope it's going well as always. My name is Andrew Kuhn sitting alongside Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Andrew. How are you doing? I am doing great. Today we are going to be going over a stock idea. It's an idea that Jeff wrote about a few years ago and there's a report of it, 10,000 page report and typical... 10,000 word. Yeah. 10,000 word, right? <laughs> 10,000 word report in typical Jeff Gannon fashion on the on the website and is on Omnicom. Yes. Uh, ticker symbol, symbol is OMC, mm-hmm. and it is currently trading uh, today at $73.73. That's got a market cap of uh, $16 billion, an enterprise value of $18 billion. It's trading 15 times earnings or EV to EBIT of 9, EV to EBITDA of 7. Um, so I guess you could say maybe it's in sort of the value territory for some people. Maybe it's not. We'll find out. Jeff wrote about this idea back when it was around $84.74 back in 2016. And you put an appraisal price on it of, uh, let me pull that up, uh, $95.20. Okay. And it's and, probably increased a little bit for time because it's been about two years since then. Yep. So the the stock has probably become a little bit more because... Um, the appraisal would now be a little bit higher because they bought back some stock every year. Yep, yep, and uh, that's exactly it. You said that Omnicom's business value is twenty six uh, billion, is what you appraise it at. Okay, yeah. So, what did you like about Omnicom? Uh, so, Omnicom is a stock I bought in two thousand nine, and then sold a few years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the five big, um, what I would call advertising agency holding companies. They call it something like marketing services because they do a lot. That isn't just advertising. Um, so and they're very similar to each other. So those companies are Omnicom, Interpublic, WPP, Publicis, and Dentsu. Uh-huh. Um, and I think they're all peers of each other and are comparable in many ways. Uh, Omnicom is more weighted to the U.S., and I like the capital allocation there. Why? Do, what do you like about it? The capital allocation? Uh, well, historically, they bought back a lot of stock. Uh, they now are paying out more and more in dividends, which I don't love because those used to be buybacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, they have a page in their investor presentation that they always show, which is that they've paid out 105% of earnings mm-hmm. over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, and that's pretty steady. So they pay out all of earnings as buybacks or dividends. So yeah. when you say that it has a PE of uh, whatever you just said, 15. 15 yeah. And of course, its tax rate will be lower next year because this is a U.S. company. Yep. Um, heavily weighed to the U.S. Uh-huh. compared to other ones. Interpublic's pretty U.S too uh-huh. uh but but other ones like wpp and publicis have less business in the u.s uh-huh. or in europe and it's a very high free free cash flow business yeah and they use a lot of that free cash flow too to buy yep. back stock that's and, what they use it for why do you why would you prefer them to just buy back stock instead of pay out a dividend is that for tax reasons for tax reasons and also because ad agencies are really good businesses uh-huh um so consistently buying back the stock is attractive because they tend to have well they have infinite returns on capital and they tend to have um, very good uh, long-term returns in the stock. Uh-huh. Now, Omnicom actually has underperformed the S&P now if you go back 10 or 15 years. Uh-huh. So, um, I, and that's the first time that I'm aware of that going back 10 or 15 years, the stock has underperformed. If you looked at a chart of Omnicom versus the S&P, um, it's really just in the last year mm-hmm. um, that they've completely um, parted ways. Otherwise, they'd be very similar over long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you bought the right price, it's attractive. Uh, it's been expensive at certain times. Like in the late 1990s, it was very expensive. Haven't they been around for a long time, too, Omnicom? So Omnicom was created um, about 30, 
30 to 35 years ago uh-huh. as a merger of two agencies. Um, and then they bought, at, and then they merged again with a, another one. Uh, it's basically th- three of the top 10 agencies in the world are part of Omnicom. Uh-huh. So when you say they're an ad agency then, so can you just sort of explain their business model and what that exactly means for Sure, everyone? I can try. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, an ad agency, so when I say that they, so they're a, when I say they're a holding company, what I mean is they have three global agencies that have their own heads of the agencies and are run independently of each other. And um, actually can compete for business against each other. Yes, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and this is actually the structure that all of the major um, uh, ones that I just mentioned uh, have. So like WPP has the same uh, model. Um, and so the, I won't tell you the names of the agencies. They're all uh, a bunch of acronyms. Uh, not yeah. acronyms, but a bunch of abbreviations. Yeah. Uh-huh. They were originally people's names. That's yeah. why they <laughs> have that. But as agencies merge with each other, it ends up sounding like a law firm that has, you know, <laughs> Um, 10 different people's names, and so they shorten into letters. Um, but they do have three of the top 10 agencies globally, and then they have some na- agencies that are national. Um, so uh, ad agency business is generally, you can think of it in, well, two ways. So so only they would say about half of their business is advertising. They'd say the other half is PR and market research and all, you know, all sorts of other things mm-hmm. too. Uh, but an agency basically has two parts. It has the creative part, which is creating the campaign, that's mostly what you see if you watch like Mad Men. What you're seeing is the creative part of the agency, uh-huh. and then they also have a media buying, which is actually buying on behalf of um, of the client, um, buying ad space. So like TV time, yeah, stuff like that. So yeah. like Omnicom uh, has two media buying networks inside of it. Um, they have two because uh, scale is good, so you want to have buy as much media as possible. Um, but they have to have two because of conflicts of interest. Uh, they created it to, for that reason. So some have more than one media buying network because there could be some issues with um, one can't do everything for different clients. It, w- it would cause a conflict of interest. Uh, the biggest one, I think, buys over $50 billion wow. of um, media. Mm-hmm. Uh, Omnicom's biggest client is probably about 3% of revenue. Um, their 10 biggest clients, I think, are about 20%. Their 100 biggest clients are about 50%. Mm-hmm. So you see the advantages of scale there for sure. having an agent buy on your behalf. Uh-huh. And the stickage for the clients, aren't they pretty, it's pretty, I mean, the retention rate's pretty high, isn't it? I think you wrote yeah. about that in the report. Yeah, so ad agencies, we don't know the exact number. It's not, conservatively, I'd say 90 to 95% retention rate. Um, there's some, we give you some examples in the report um, of agencies, specific agencies inside a company. Uh, saying that it was 98 or 99%. In the early 2000s, there was an agency inside Omnicom that said that it was 98 or 99% each year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we give lists in there of some very long-term relationships with um, agencies. Mm-hmm. The most famous ones you go are probably Unilever and, and Procter and & Gamble, which have relationships dating back. So one agency has been acquired by another, has been sure. acquired by another. Yeah. But if you go back to predecessors, all the way back, there is an original relationship like with Unilever that's been going on for a hundred years. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and PNG, it's pretty long too. Yeah, and do you think that? I mean, what do you think is the bear case for them? I mean, I think you also sort of wrote about this as well. Yeah, so not so much in this report, but later uh-huh. I've talked about it. So I did a post that mentioned Facebook and Google. Yeah, I think the bear case has to do with Facebook and Google. So like being people being able to advertise through Facebook, Facebook. So they and Google? use an auction system. Mm-hmm. Okay, that. Um, would be possible for I don't know. So if Facebook and Google are primarily ha- where you spend your money mm-hmm. as a brand, 
then the question is whether you would simply advertise directly there instead of having ad space bought for you by Omnicom, mm -hmm. by one, the media buying network that I mentioned. So Facebook mentions this in their 10K, if you uh, read it carefully. It says that um, ad, that marketers either, either buy on Facebook directly or through an agency. And actually, it's a lot through agencies uh, for the very biggest uh, clients. So like WPP has a slide in their uh, latest investor presentation where I think they mentioned that they're bought over $2 billion of ad space on behalf of clients in both in uh, 2 billion on Facebook, 2 billion Google. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting because you would think that a lot of it would be done directly. Now, my concern is actually a little different than that. So people's concern is them cutting out the middleman for Facebook and Google. My concern is actually that digital advertising has a huge amount of revenue created for the agency. Mm -hmm. So actually when an agency, um, if you have a $10 million ad campaign, the amount of money that actually ends up in the hands of the agency isn't that high because although they buy the uh, TV space on your behalf, they don't do a lot of work inside the agency for a TV ad. Uh -huh. They do a ton of work for digital, huge amount inside the agency. And so that my concern would more be in-housing of digital work, like Unilever would instead do um, uh, the things that you would need that are kind of labor-intensive for a digital campaign uh, themselves instead of having an agency do it. And in the last few years, digital has become a huge part of advertising. Uh, it's now about the same size as TV. In fact, I think this last year in the U.S., digital slightly eclipsed TV. Really? Yeah. So, And that's a big change. We, we mentioned in the report that 15 years ago, about, um, well, about two-thirds or so of advertising was neither digital nor TV. Hmm. A lot of print. Mm -hmm. um, but that really hasn't hurt their business no, so much, now, which is pretty fascinating. Yeah. No, it hasn't changed anything up till now. Yeah. And we'll see if that changes a lot. Uh -huh. uh, there are some interesting things happening because prices are surging on Facebook. And actually prices were up quite a lot in all forms of digital advertising last year. Uh, and that's a concern of mine that that marketers are have committed to the idea of putting a lot of money into digital and they're doing it even though prices are up so much. So it's interesting to see what that means. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a big push into digital. So it's possible that that's a concern for Omnicom. I would say it's a concern more in terms of less business being done through them. And they do mention that clients who have them working on digital campaigns have done more and more not buying through. They have like a network that they use for it, uh, that they were involved in actually buying the ad space. Mm -hmm. And now the client wants them to do work on it, but then wants to buy it themselves on a platform. Uh, and that gets complicated because the pricing on those things are very opaque. There's a lot of fraud and digital advertising stuff. Um, in some cases, there may be rebates and relationships between different uh, buyers and sellers of media. Mm -hmm. So I can understand why there's a lack of transparency and why some um, companies may be concerned about that. I also think that some companies are getting very low returns on their digital advertising, actually, and are concerned about that fact. They know they need to go digital because that's where people are, but their actual return on advertising might be really poor. Interesting. And it's a very, obviously, predictable company. Yeah, which historically, I know, it's been historic, tremendously predictable. Yeah, which I know you, you really like uh, that aspect. I of don't it. know that there's a more predictable company historically than Omnicom. Why is that, do you think? 
the relationship with the clients the high stickage that they have the the retention rate rate is almost perfect yeah and generally just goes up by the amount of the ad budget each year it's interesting that so like you named off all the other comparable companies it's Mm -hmm. almost like they compete with each other but in a way kind of not be like you have like procter and gamble or whatever that's been with them for over 100 years i mean in that regard that's it's it's Mm -hmm. certainly you know right so we have a quote in there from the ceo of omnicom which talks about putting an account in review Mm -hmm. which is an odd sort of concept that's uh, you hear about in the advertising I- industry. So what they mean is that Omnicom isn't going out there trying to steal business from WPP. What's happening is the client is dissatisfied with WPP for mm-hmm. some account, and they announce that fact, and they want to see pitches from uh, competitors. Mm-hmm. That's very different than some other businesses where you try to go and undercut someone on price yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So generally, that that's how it works. It's very... Mm, congenial uh, sort of uh, um, very civil sort of industry that way. Yeah. And you'd say this company, it's, we've talked about this off air. It's, I mean, the company is, is tied pretty much to the economy. I mean, if you think about it, if we go into recession and, mm-hmm. and uh, businesses stop or they cut ad space or whatever, yeah. that's obviously going to directly affect Omnicom. Yeah. And actually what's interesting is that GDP growth has been higher than advertising spend lately. So normally advertising spending tracks GDP growth over time. It's usually about 2%. So uh, in the U.S. historically, and we have data going back almost 100, uh, yeah, about 100 years now, uh, starting in the 1920s, um, about 2% of GDP gets spent on advertising. In recessions, it gets pretty low. Mm -hmm. So in... uh, in, uh, Around 1950, 1980, and today, you have very low numbers in terms of advertising spend versus GDP. And I don't know if that'll ever recover, if this is some sort of new thing that we're in with online where that's happening, Mm -hmm. or if it's that we're in a sort of a very slow recovery in advertising uh, because of, you know, sort of profit problems at some of the companies. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's sort of what WPP was saying. Certainly some of the biggest clients... Um, are basically in terms of sales volume in recessions, like in terms of the companies themselves. So if you're big food companies, um, you know, if you're P&G and Unilever and those sorts of companies, you're you're really in a tough time. Mm-hmm. And that may be because of changes, uh, you know, permanent societal changes. But it's similar to the experiences that they would ha- normally have in a recession. Yeah. And you kind of see that too. If you look at their revenue from... 2008 to 2009 it went from 13 billion and then to 2009 it was 11 billion 11.7 billion mm-hmm. so i guess you kind of see could see that reflective there yeah so it, it's not unusual to have a 15 percent cut in advertising budgets in a recession like that uh-huh. um that they have more omnicom has more stable margins than some other companies uh other companies in the ad industry because of how they compensate people um so one interesting thing about the ad industry is that they're much more highly incentivized with stock options and things like that. Mm-hmm. This company gives away about one and a half percent of the company each year to yeah. employees, but mm-hmm. it buys back even more so that on average share counts dropping by 2% or more. Historically it had been as much as 4% going down each year. But um, because of that, like when you were talking about 2009, uh, their top like 500 to a thousand employees top paid had their, um, cash payments for the year cut by 75% on average. Wow. 
But what they did is they gave them options. Yeah, didn't that make a lot of people mad or something? It did. It yeah. made Sequoia very mad. <laughs> Sequoia, yeah, that's who mm-hmm. it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, those options are very valuable because they were granted in maybe low 20s. Uh-huh. Certainly wow. in the 20s on the stock price. Yeah, and why would and you would so with it trading around what I say seventy three dollars mm-hmm. and seventy uh, seventy three dollars seventy three cents, uh, which is a market cap of sixteen point nine eight billion. You'd think it'd be a, a an interesting start, a, a good price for people to start learning more about the business. Sure, learning more about the business. Yeah, because sure. I remember you tweeted out your buy in price. You said would be around seventy five dollars a share. Sixty five. Oh, it was 65. 65, Okay. I'd say the company might be worth 100 or something, and I would say 65. Yeah. 65 is about sales right now. Mm -hmm. So if you look at revenue per share, um, that so it's a little leverage, but if you look at revenue per share, it's probably around 65 right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a little bit higher than that. Um, I would say that if you get in price at one-time sales, that's really attractive. It is $65 for sure. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be surprising to have EBIT margins in the range of like 12 to 15% or something. Uh You've now had a tax cut. Um, I think that you should get like at least a 10% free cash flow yield if you don't pay more than one time sales. Uh-huh. Historically, it was 11%. So uh, 11% of sales was turned into free cash flow that they could actually use to buy back stock, pay dividends, things like that. Mm-hmm. We should talk about the company's growth um, and how slow it's been. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the revenue for last year, I think you'll actually see a decline for the company, but they disposed of something. So sometimes Omnicom gets rid of a business. The organic growth rate is more like 3%, and they've guided for a low number, too, next year. So you have this company chugging along at really low levels of like 3% or so, whereas historically they've grown a nominal GDP, actually a little bit better than that. So historically, ad agencies had grown maybe right around, I'd say, you know, organically, they'd grown at nominal GDP. Mm-hmm. So if your economy was growing 6% a year and you're growing at 3%, you're obviously growing slower than GDP now. Mm-hmm. And that can be because it's going to um, things like Facebook and Google directly. Sure. But that's actually not what we see in the numbers right now. What we see in the numbers is actually that ad spending isn't that strong. So it's strong at Facebook and Google, but overall it's not strong. Uh-huh. And so like when WPP said that about its big clients, and I'm not sure that everyone believed that. They said, you know, it's really Facebook and Google and not what they're explaining about um, sort of the older industries that the clients that they have that they're cutting spending, that they're worried about activists, investors, and things like that. I think they really are, certainly some of their big clients. Mm-hmm. And we see that because uh, advertising, there's been a pretty big gap between what I mentioned as a normal level of like 2% of GDP and um, what we see now. So there hasn't been, advertising hasn't recovered as much as GDP has. But, you know, housing hasn't recovered as much as GDP has. Sure. Um, wages haven't increased as much as GDP. Like at this point, you would expect them to, at different points in the cycle, different things may increase. Mm -hmm. So like we have really low unemployment right now, but not a lot of wage growth. You had house prices go up, but you didn't have a tremendous increase in um, new house starts. We have more recently had that. So it's possible that later in the cycle, advertising will pick up. It's certainly been weak uh, compared to past recoveries. Yeah. And you th- and you think at seventy three or sixty five dollars per share, you think it'd be interesting? Would you buy it at sixty five dollars per share? I would for certainly year? consider it. Although I think that I'm the least certain ever about Omnicom right now. Really? Why is that? Because of everything going? Yeah. With Facebook and Google, I'm really worried about Facebook and Google in terms of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to explain, but I, the behavior of marketers at this moment in time, right now as we're sitting here, seems irrational. What do you mean by that? Well, Facebook and Google's, Facebook particularly, prices have gone up a lot. 
And there's the reason they've gone up seems to be that Facebook hasn't added to its uh, ad inventory. So it's not going to show more ads to people this year than it did last year or barely will show more. And um, yet I think prices will increase a lot. Facebook's revenue will increase a lot. You're Unless the efficiency of those ads goes up, you're getting a worse return on your advertising dollars. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and it's all about how much incremental sales you get for each dollar of ad spending that you do. And um, we see that in some things where I know, like Google has some advertising that's YouTube. Um, so it's videos on video ads on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And based on some reports that I've read and what I, I can put together, people were willing to buy those even when they knew the returns on those were worse than what you could get by advertising on TV, radio, magazine, um, all sorts of other forms of advertising. Really? Yeah, it was meaningfully worse. Now, I don't think Facebook ads were worse, but the prices have just surged, and and yet advertisers, I think, are going to keep pouring into it this year. So I am a little concerned about what's going on there and why this is... You know, in the early days, we could predict that digital would grow a lot, because the audience was there, mm-hmm. right? The audience was on Facebook and Google, sure. and yet the advertisers weren't in a big way. Yeah. But now you have advertisers surging into it much more so than audience. Audience is leveling off, and yet advertisers are really embracing it. So it is a weird moment that way. I think there is just this past year some irrationality that we're seeing there. Wow. Like uh, you can see that with some information that we have about uh, um, cost per clicks. So in terms of actual advertising in a lot of different areas there were no more clicks last year uh, than the year before Hmm. but prices were 15 to 25 percent higher you know the ad spend was 15 to 25 percent higher so there's more and more advertising going into it it's possible that facebook and google and some other uh, media outlets online are getting better about turning clicks into sales right because it could be that the quality of the clicks are improving a lot sure but uh, it worries me a lot because it seems like an irrational moment in terms of how much is pouring into digital right now. So you you would be cautious. You think you think it it's the most nerve wracking time for you to potentially invest in it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, because I think because imagine you're a big advertiser. You're advertising through Omnicom or through any of these agencies, and you look at your return on advertising, mm-hmm. and it's bad. Yeah. Right. And so uh, you might say, okay, well, I need to cut back on Facebook or whatever. But you might also say, I need to cut back with this agency. I might need to in-house things. I need to somehow bring my costs down. Mm -hmm. Like I said, a lot of the costs are things that you pay the agency for to do for you. Mm -hmm. So instead you say, well, I need to advertise on Facebook, but my returns on advertising are poor. So what do I do? I in-house everything. I do everything I can to cut my costs. Because what matters is the total uh, cost of your campaign, not the ad space. The ad space doesn't matter in terms of its price. It's the entire cost of the campaign. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that worries me right now. Right now it seems odd what's happening with, with ad pricing. Yeah, that's, that's definitely interesting. And, and what you still think though, it could be worth potentially around hundred dollars a share or would you sure. not even, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Do. You still stick to that same appraisal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I think so. Yeah. There's still a lot of advertising that goes on in lots of places that aren't Facebook and Google. What's so interesting to me though, is that how it's been able to sort of I guess you would think from first blush that um, with like print, you know, going out and everything that 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 would have hurt this business, but it really hasn't hurt them quite at all, really. They adjust with clients that way. It's very similar to consulting sorts of things, but I compared it mostly to accounting firms and law firms. Mm -hmm. In many ways, I think it's most similar to them. It's just accounting firms and law firms aren't public, so we don't have a lot of information on them to compare with ad agencies. Sure. But I think that that it's most similar to them. 
Uh, we should talk about whether you, people would want to buy a basket of it. Mm-hmm. So, like a basket of yeah. There's agencies. there's five of them, and they're in terms of quality mostly the same. In mm-hmm. terms of the business quality of the actual agencies, mostly the same. Like Interpublic, which is basically McCann, is perfectly good company. WPP has some wonderful agencies. So there's in terms of the quality of the agencies, I wouldn't say Omnicom is better. Um, there's the issue of the stock price and the issue of capital allocation. Mm-hmm. But you know you can buy into and they're but all their capital allocate. I mean, Omnicom are they the only one that pretty much just buys back all their stock from their cash flow or free cash long flow? term? Yes. Yeah. But his, in recently, WPP and Interpublic both had improved their capital allocation a lot. Omnicom does way more, uh, way less acquisitions, uh, way less. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was a concern that I had with Publicis um, that I didn't like some of the acquisitions that they paid for. Um, WPP made some smart acquisitions, and yet I don't think it really. Would it was much better than if they just bought back their stock, because you know, um, I, I think that you could buy basketball five of them if you wanted to, mm-hmm. and if people are concerned about that. But the problem is, of course, the risk that you're trying to diversify away sure. is something that hits all of them. So <laughs> I'm not sure that it can help. They're you still that one way. another. Yeah, they're still the same. Yeah, so that's the concern that I would have um, there. I but I don't want to overstate that advertising agencies are some of the most predictable companies around. And so, that that continues to be true. Usually, betting that change won't really disrupt the business is mm-hmm. you know is the bet that makes sense. And yeah. it's normally they trade at a premium to the market, and now they're at a discount. Mm-hmm. So you know you're getting several percentage points more a year right now by buying Omnicom than the S and P. Interesting. You know, it, on like a free cash flow basis certainly. Mm-hmm. And of course, the tax rate will be lower. In will the be beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh-huh. they are obviously dominated here yeah and that doesn't pass through agencies don't give anyone that the the tax cut isn't <laughs> going to result in lower um pricing or anything like yeah. that yeah that's good it's like not like a that, retail right? or something <laughs> where it passes on to workers and uh-huh. to lower prices on the shelves it's not gonna be like that awesome well, any, any other thoughts on the business the company mm-hmm. is a stock no i would just say read the report yeah. um and i would say compare it to all uh the four other peers because uh, i don't necessarily say that omnicom is your only choice there i think that all Four companies that are most attractive, uh, and you do you do sort of a peer by peer analysis yep, a little bit uh, in the report. So mm-hmm. it's a ten thousand word report. You can find it on the website www.focuscompounding.com. There's about twenty five or twenty six other ideas similar to that one. And mm-hmm. uh, if you sign up using the word podcast as the promo code, instead of sixty dollars a month, it will be fifty dollars a month as long as you stay a member. Mm-hmm. And um, that's uh, pretty much it. So we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, it's, uh, it was a good episode, and this was a stock idea episode, and we will have many more just like this one, and we'll see you in the next one. Jeff, thank you very much.